talking. Seemed like we've been talking a lot about supernatural increase. I mean, it kind of poured over into Sunday, and uh, now you know we've been on Wednesdays. But I, but I do believe that, um, uh, like I told you Sunday, that the Lord has planted the seed of prosperity in us. And uh, you know, a lot of times we don't realize this. And I, I think, did we read Genesis on Sunday? Did we finally read that that scripture in Genesis? And that scripture in Genesis chapter two that talks about how all the seed that was necessary for the for the earth to bring forth everything, you know, everything we're seeing now, every tree, every plant, uh, every fruit, every vegetable, everything was already in the earth. God saw to it that all that was in the earth, but none of it came forth until there was first an environment that was able to sustain it. And so we, we've talked about that principle of environment. You know, that, that, that principle of environment works in the area of prosperity as well and supernatural increase. You know, some of us were, you know, um, whatever it is that you're believing God for. Now, uh, pick something out. Pick something out that you're, I know there's got to be something that each one of you individually are personally believing God for in this, in this moment, in this season. Now, I want you to think about what that is. And um, you, don't have to, you don't have to share what it is, but get it in your mind. In fact, if you have a piece of paper and you have a place to write it down, write it down. Because I want us to, I want us to, uh, I want us to do something here before we, we jump into the Word. And uh, so at least get it in your mind. Have, it, have singleness of mind when you're thinking about it. I know there are multiple things that we might be trusting the Lord for, but there's that one thing, that one thing that we're really believing God for. <clears throat> now, here's what you have to consider about that thing that has not yet come to pass. There's not an environment in your life that's able to facilitate it. That's why it hadn't come. Did y'all hear what I just said? If you're if you're believing for uh, if you're if you're believing for finance, then there has to be an environment created in your life that will facilitate finance. If you're if you're believing for children, if you're believing for a husband, if you're believing for a wife, if you're believing for a, a supernatural debt cancellation or what, whatever whatever it is you're believing for, if you're believing for your ministry uh, to you know to uh, um, uh, to uh, move forward or, or for the Lord to open up doors of ministry for you or whatever it is, whatever it is, there has to be an environment in your life created to facilitate that. Otherwise, it's never going to come to pass. And so God has already decided that he's going to do uh, for you what he said he would do. Now, what we've got to do is we've got to create that place for him to be able to do it. Amen. And so you know, I, I've, I've, got everything, I've got everything set up here for me to talk about something in particular. But um, I want to open up and if you have any questions concerning uh, specifically some of the things we talked about on Sunday and maybe, maybe even the statement I just made, maybe about supernatural linger. Honestly, this could be about anything because the same principles that apply. You all understand that when I'm talking about supernatural increase, the same principles apply to everything. I mean, we take those principles. They're the principles of faith. You know, um, uh, uh, Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. That's the, that's the word of faith that we preach. That's the faith, that, that's the faith principle. 
If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. That's a faith principle. Now, what's it talking about in Romans 10, 9, and 10? Salvation. But you can take that principle of, of faith and you can apply it to healing. If you'll confess with your mouth that by his stripes you're healed and believe in your heart that he bore your sicknesses and carried your diseases, you shall be healed. For with the heart man believes unto healing, and with the mouth confession is made unto wholeness and divine health. You know, you can, you can apply that in every area of your life. You could take and apply that principle of faith to finance. You can apply that principle of faith to anointing and for ministry. Uh, you can apply that principle in every area of life. And so uh, these principles that we're talking about, you can, you, you, can, you can apply them where you're at. So, Gil, you had a question? All right, go for it, man. Yes, sir. Um, so you have spoken uh, a lot about supernatural increase, which has been amazing. And I was praying Sunday after service, and I'm like, Lord, you know, it's been prophesied over us, uh, my wife and myself, uh, a couple different people during the years about, you know, we're supposed to be supernaturally increased, um, Canada goose, just different things. And so I know it's coming, and you know, but I have to, I have to have the environment, like you said. Mm -hmm. Can your so well? So I was praying. And I'm like, Lord, what, am, what do I need to do to align myself? How do I create this environment? And all of a sudden, someone's face flashed. And he said, your associations. And I was like, hmm. oh, snaps. Yeah. And I wanted to ask you, is that, can your associations block your blessing? Because the association that I'm talking about, they have a stinking thinking of poverty mindset. Yes. So. The, 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 the fast answer is yes. And so I'm going to I'm going to give you an example. Not only can your associations help you or hinder you, but your associations can help you. And so um, I always tell people if you're you know, um, if you want if you want revival, you don't you don't go hang out with people that don't facilitate revival. If you want to move, there are people that say, Lord, send me to this dead church because I'm going to be the key to breakthrough. No, you're going to die with them. That's what you're going to do. Uh, unless, unless you're in a place of leadership, unless the Lord sent you there as the pastor or, um, or you're an essential leader that can maybe persuade the pastor to, to, to embrace the, the environment necessary that will uh, bring about revival, then you're, you're, you're doomed to die in that place. But there, that, that's the way, in fact, the Lord told me that. He said that uh, the enemy has sidelined many charismatic, Pentecostal, spirit-filled people in seeker-sensitive churches, making them believe that somehow or another that their influence will bring those churches into revival. But essentially what the enemy's done is he's taken them out of the game. And he's, he's, he's perpetrated one of the biggest lies upon those people that's been perpetrated on the body of Christ in forever. And so there, you, you know what, you, I, go, I, I go to lots of places and people, many of the people that were in our meetings that were revived and have had supernatural encounters with God, believe in the move of the spirit, are, are uh, you know, speak with tongues, pray in the spirit. Uh, many of them have started going to seeker sensitive churches because they're large churches that they can get lost in. You know, when you have to labor in a church like this, um, you can't maintain your personal privacy. And I know some of you, you're like, I'm just a, pri I'm just a private person. You know what? The Holy Spirit brings things to light. 
The devil is the one who tries to hide stuff. See, we never associate our desire and our need for privacy. As, as not, it's not really privacy at all. It's pride. <laughs> it's not privacy at all. It's pride. You say, what do you mean, Pastor Zig? Well, it's because we, there are things in our life that we don't want people to uh, see in us. And that's why we want to stay away from that. Amen. You say, well, Pastor, you said you're a private person, mm -hmm, and I'm not exempt. Amen. I'm not exempt. I'm in the same boat. Listen, I'm, I, want a, I want a place to be by myself because of my insecurities. <laughs> Are y'all hearing me? Are y'all hearing me? I'm, 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 I'm here. I'm, I'm, I've told y'all that. I've told you. Man, I got... I've, I've got, I've got issues. I've got insecurity issues. I have self-esteem issues. And the, the only way that those things are kept in check is when I maintain fellowship with other. minute I isolate myself, those things rise up. The moment I get by myself and I isolate myself, those things begin to have the freedom to reign over my, over my life. And so, um, so anyhow, you know, a lot of times people want to go to a, uh, uh, you, they want to go to a larger church because you, you don't have to engage with people so much. There's not so much inter personal interaction. Uh, you can kind of go in and leave, you know, at, and, and pretty much not be bothered. And, and, and that's, it's very convenient. It's, I mean, it's, it's like going to the grocery store, to the, you know, to the 7-Eleven or something. You're in, you're out, you, 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 you get what you want, and you leave. But you may not get what you need. So, um... That, that's, that's, that's why um, I think that, that's the battle that we face against the enemy in our generation is getting people to realize that, you know, I, I think you can go to a larger church and have fellowship with one another and engage with one another. I think that uh, you can have a spirit-filled, spirit spirit-led church and it be a church of two or three or 4,000 people. In fact, I know you can because uh, Brother Parsley has a church like that. It's not a seeker-sensitive church. They're a spirit-led church. Uh, there, there are some things that, you know, they uh, he's not as engaged with the uh, congregation, I think, as... as uh, you know, definitely not like a small church pastor would, but how could he be, you know? Um, but I know it's definitely possible. So uh, let me give you an example of how, um, and you know, you could call that the, <laughs> uh, the, uh, <clears throat> the, the, uh, the principle of association. The principle of association. So whoever you associate with, uh, Whoever your associations are with are going to be the people that are the most influential in your life. Many times when we, we associate with people, we want, to, we want to be the bigger fish in the pond. We almost never want to make associations with people that are doing better than us, that live better than we live. Whether that be holiness or or, or even material. You know what? We, we, t poor people don't typically hang out with uh, rich people or even middle class people. Not unless they purposed in their heart to do it to break themselves out of a poverty environment. But most of the time, you know, uh, uh, bikers are going to hang out with bikers. That's, that's, that's why cowboy churches and biker churches and things of that nature exist. Because 
we gravitate. That's why there's black churches and you know predominantly white churches and Hispanic churches because we, you know, it's it's associations that we're that we're comfortable with. But for but for personal growth, if you want to grow, then you need to hook up and connect with people that uh, that are that are doing good in the areas that you want to do good in. And, and that the source, of their, the source of their increase comes from God. And so uh, instead of going to a scripture, I'll just tell you a story. Annie um, preached a message. In fact, one of the first messages she preached was a message um, called um, Being a Friend of a Friend of God. That was the title of her message. And it was about Abraham and Lot. And how she had been uh, talking to the Lord and, and uh, she had seen the Lord blessing me financially. People were, I would come home and I would empty my pocket. My pockets would be literally full of money where people came and would hand me money. And she's like, wow, you know, that's awesome. And I'm like, yeah. One time, one time I, and I don't do this anymore, uh, but one time I put, uh, you know, I put, I was just putting that money in the safe. And then one time I, w- I went to the safe and I thought, man, I better count this money. I think when I counted, it was like $35,000. And that was over a period of just a few weeks. And so before anybody that has a, uh, here's this podcast gets an idea, I have guns and it's not there anymore. <laughs> <clears throat> and they're all over my house. <laughs> so if you find one, you didn't find them all. <laughs> The AR sits next to the bed. So anyhow, um, so Annie said, why does that happen to you and it doesn't happen to me? I said, well, I said, are, are, you, are you applying these principles of supernatural increase? Are you working your faith in that area? She's like, well, no, you know, not really. And, and, and then, you know, she had issues like with uh, when people would... Um, <clears throat> And here's the thing, Annie never thought of herself more highly uh, than she ought to when it came to money. If she was driving a nice car, she wasn't like, <laughs> she didn't get out, and she had a nice purse or whatever. She wasn't like getting out and putting her purse, like she, her, she got that ring, I got her. She don't get out of the car and go, <sighs> you know, flashing it around. You know, you don't see her up here during worship, you know, making it, <laughs> making it blingy and everything. Um, she's never been that way. Never been that type of person. Uh, if she, but, but if she had a nice car and someone said something to her about it, it would make her feel uncomfortable to the point where she felt like she had to, you know, either hide, you know, what, how, how the Lord was blessing, or she had to defend. Uh, and, and the, but she knew this. She knew that the blessing, the source of the blessing was God and that it had come from God to me. And so she's reading her Bible, and she read about Abraham and Lot, and how that Lot, as long as he was with Abraham, walked in supernatural abundance. But God's covenant wasn't with Lot. God's covenant was with Abraham. And because of Lot's association with Abraham, the blessing defaulted onto, onto him because he, he, Abraham was a friend of a friend of God. And so Annie was like, I've got to, I've got to be a friend of God. I've got to, I've got to connect with the Lord and, and create an environment in my life that will facilitate the same blessing that Zig has in his life, in my life. And so she had to begin to change, you know, she had to change what she said. 
She had to change how she thought. She had to change what she read. She had to, she had to all of a sudden resist a mindset and a way of thinking. Well, now the environment that she's in was far different than the environment I was in. I was in church every week having revival. She was working for the state of Oklahoma. And y'all have, y'all have talked to state employees. You know how unpleasant that is. So... So it's a totally different environment, but she, <laughs> with the exception of those that are members of Winner's Church, amen. <laughs> right? right? Yeah, they all love, they all love our, our, our folks. <laughs> but, um, but they, uh, um, you know, that, that environment is, is not a, a, an environment that is uh, conducive to the building of faith. Now you can build faith in that environment, but I'm saying you have to you have to watch you have to guard your heart, you have to guard your mind, you have to be careful not to say what everybody else is. You know Leroy Thompson before he got that uh, revelation on money coming to the body of Christ, or when he got it, when he got that the day he got that revelation, he was he was uh, I think he said he was maybe three million dollars in debtors. I can't remember what it was. He had a 30 member church in a in a community of 2,000 people, and. Um, he was in debt, and he was broke, and he was just barely making it. And him and his wife, they had gone on a juice diet. He went to the store to buy some vegetables uh, to put in the juicer. And so when he got to the counter, uh, there was someone in front of him that had thrown a case of beer up on the, uh, you know, up on the uh, whatever that conveyor belt is uh, to check out. And um, the cashier rung up the beer and uh, asked him, you know, told him how much it was. He put his money out there. He put like a, what was it, 20 or something out there. And all he got was some coins, you know, just a little bit of change back. And, um, and the Lord, uh, or, or the guy says to Leroy Thompson, he says, boy, money sure goes, doesn't it? And Leroy Thompson was like, oh, yeah, money's going all the time. Boy, money, money goeth, money goeth, money goeth. That's what, he, that's what he said. He's like, oh, money goeth. For sure money goeth. And he walked out, and he, he's walking to his car with his vegetables after having this interaction with this man. And when he got in the car, the Lord said, what did you say back there? And he said, well, Lord, um, he said, I, I was just talking to that man, just being cordial. He said, what did you say? He said, well, I, I agreed. I told him that money, money goeth. And, and, he, and before he could get it all out of his mouth, he said, the Lord told him, money cometh to you now. Oh, yeah. He said, money cometh to the body of Christ now. And, and from that moment on, Leroy Thompson had to change not only what he thought, because you know what? Before you say it, you think it. So you got to change your thinking as well as your words. And sometimes you change your thinking by your words. Sometimes you, you know, the way that you go, the process that you have to go through is you have to say uh, purposefully what God says before you believe it. Then there's sometimes that something you know, gets in your, in your mind or the Spirit of God brands it upon you. And, you know, when it's branded in, in your belief system, well, then it'll, it'll start to come out of your mouth. It'll start to produce results. But, um, but definitely there is a, there, there is a, uh, <clears throat> there's a connection between association and uh, your belief system. I'm not saying you stay away from everybody that's an unbeliever. <laughs> I know people will say this. 
Jesus hung out with unbelievers. Yeah, but Jesus had a renewed mind. <laughs> Jesus didn't do what he wanted to do. Jesus did what the Father told him to do. Some of y'all still want to drink a little. So, you know, you got it. You got, you know, you, you, depending on where you're at. Amen. Come on now. You, some of you can't go buy a Mardi Gras party. You know, and I'm not, and I'm not, I'm not trying to condemn nobody. I'm just saying, <clears throat> some of you can't, some of you can't even smell a little bit of weed without, you know, kind of drifting that direction. You know, if, 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 if someone, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if someone breaks out in a, you know, if someone breaks out in some lewd booty dance, you can't resist because you were a booty dancer back in the day. And so you all rubbing up on people, you know, you, it, it's just one of those things that, so, come on, y'all don't look at me crooked. <laughs> so so we got to get we got to get controlled and now now here's the other thing you know what some of us will get around flaky doctrine flaky christians and because we were associated with that at, at some point we find ourselves drifting back toward that there's something familiar about it and it feels good but we know good and well it don't lead to nothing good you know what for, for many years um, I, you know, those guys, I had Ted travel with me, uh, for years, Ted, a fellow by the name of Jake and a fellow by the name of Russ. The four of us traveled from here, all, from, from one end of this nation to the other doing ministry, doing evangelism. Do you know the main reason why I had these fellows travel with me? So I wouldn't have to talk to anybody. I paid their expenses I, I paid for gas. I paid for vehicles. I, I paid, um, uh, some of them I paid a, a salary to for this reason, so that I wouldn't have to talk much to pastors to prop up my insecurity. And do you know, for as long as I did that, God couldn't do some of the stuff he wanted to do in and through my... Cause see, because some of you think if it's church stuff, it's okay. Some of y'all don't even realize you're, the only people you're attracted to in church are the people that are as broken as you are. Because they're not going to challenge you. They're not going to challenge you to live better. They're not going to call you on your foolishness. They're going to agree with you. You're going to say, well, you know, I kind of feel like Pastor Ziggy favors the Mexicans over the black people. I think you're right. I think you're right. Pretty soon, you know, you gotta, you're having a little party about it. Come on now. So that, that stuff can happen in church. And the devil will try it. Listen, he'll try it. He'll, he'll try to trap you there. I know that things are unfair. I, I just feel like, you know what? I feel the same way. You know what? Why don't you get around some people that don't think it's unfair? Why don't you hang around them people for a while? You know, you know what happens when you start hanging around people that don't think things are unfair? It changes your perspective. 
It gives you a broader perspective of what's happening. It gives you, it gives you a, a, a greater, it gives you more information. And you know what? The, the more information you have, the better information you can gather. And the better information you have, the farther you're going to progress toward, toward your destiny. Amen. But if all you do is guard your little kingdom and your little world, then you shouldn't expect to go any farther. And that's exactly, listen, isn't that exactly what we're battling with? Isn't that exactly what the church battles with on a regular? But that's what we battle with. That's what we battle. You know what, Nikki, she's come on the road with us a couple times. It's a, it's a, you know, for Nikki, it's a, it's a little discombobulating. She's not accustomed to coming and hanging out with old Pastor Zig. You know, you know what I'm saying? And so it's a little awkward. Right? The Nikki is a little awkward. And so we, we find ourselves sometimes in awkward conversations. But you know what? I'm willing to get past the awkward to get to. But see, some of us, we don't want to go through the awkward. Some of us, we won't even. Some of y'all won't even talk when you come around me. For fear you might say something stupid. What you ought to be doing is you ought to be talking so that if you say something stupid, we can say, man, I wouldn't say it that way. See, some people are afraid Hills is going to come say, you have what you say. <laughs> well, we don't realize we need Hilda to come to us and say, you have what you say. Oh, yeah. You know, you, you think we reach out our hand and say, thank you, Hilda, I needed that. I, need, I didn't make me feel good. And I'm going I'm to have to go pray through a little bit. But boy, I needed that. Heck, y'all, Marissa, Marissa. I've told y'all the story. I was up under that airplane. I said, man, my elbow's killing me. Marissa looks me square. I'm her pastor. I was her youth pastor. When she was 12 years old, coming into youth group. That's how long I've known Marissa. Marissa, now she's 30 years old. We're under that airplane. I'm cleaning it up, man. I've been, we've been, she's been asking me questions. I've been talking the word of God. And I'm, oh, man, my elbow's killing me. She, she looked me, Miss Rhonda, she looked me square in the eyes. She didn't even flinch. Didn't even hesitate. Well, Brother Copeland said, if you keep saying stuff's going to kill you, it's going to end up killing you. You know, at first I looked at her and I thought, how dare you? But then I remembered who I was. I am nothing. He is everything. Amen. Do you know if, you, you, if you'll remind yourself when, when you feel offended... When you feel offended, you only, you only feel offended because you think you're better than what you are. But if you'll remind yourself you're nothing in those moments you're offended, if you'll remember, wait a minute, I'm, I'm nobody. I'm nothing. It'll, it'll, it'll draw you back to reality and put you in a place of receptivity. Amen. So does that help anyone? Whatever you so the, we've got to, we've, we've got to, we've got to uh, do our part to break out of those environments. And you know what? Oh, I, I hate to put, I'm not, I'm not trying to put y'all on blast, but um, pretending like you're so busy that you can't hang out after church, you ain't, listen, you ain't that busy. Yeah, you ain't that busy. Well, none of us are that busy. None of us are that busy. Now, in your mind, you're telling yourself, but you know what? You have, you have these self-defense mechanisms that are built into your thinking. 
And I'm telling you that those self-defense mechanisms, you have to, you have to start to disarm those things because they're working against you. And all of us have them, church. I'm, I'm still dealing with them. Minute I get one deactivated, I, I've built up another one in its place. You know what I'm saying? It's like you have to continue to, to, to work it. You got to work it. You got to work it. But what's good is that once you start doing that, you start to recognize. Amen. You start to recognize. Any, anyone who don't want you around them, anyone who, because there, there are some people, like if you see someone, uh, if you see someone, we, you know, we've, we've, had, we've had several people come through our church. Uh, 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 Benagiri. N- none of you have ever gone to Benagiri, I don't think, and felt like Ben was um, uh, dismissive. Anybody ever felt dismissed by Ben? Never. Uh, Pastor Harris. No, no. You know, we, we, bring, we bring folks, we try to bring folks through here that, uh, that have the same heart that I have. Not that they have the same ministry, but have the same heart I have. And that's to pour into people. Oh, yeah. But we will. Don't, no, no, don't get me wrong. We will have people come through here that you're going you're gonna to feel like they're dismissive. And we're going to get something from their gift. But we're not going to take nothing from their character. Maybe we'll just take a part of their ministry. Alleviate them from the responsibility. Amen. Thank God. Hey, man, we received, we received from Jonathan Shuttlesworth's ministry right here. Amen. Amen. That's about it, but amen. <laughs> amen. <laughs> Glory to God. <laughs> yeah, to be here for that, right? <clears throat> Michael. <laughs> you got it? Does somebody have a mic? <clears throat> <laughs> well, you, you can see the principle of association, the working in the word. Jesus, his disciples, hmm, right? Hello? Now, uh, uh, um, a lot of that, well, you were pretty much saying that, but a lot of that is too is that uh, I heard this, I heard someone say one time that changed the way I thought about it is how the devil, uh, in the Bible it says, casting down of imaginations and how the devil over time, he builds fortresses in your mind. And, you know, some of us were too proud to think that he can, but he can build things in your mind that work against you. And, oh, you know, you can, you can bring down those strongholds and, and break those things, but it's a, it's a thing about you doing it and you, you know, putting the word to that and the fortresses he puts up, you know, a lot of times it's like, I hear people of, you know, I just can't quit. It seems like I can't quit doing drugs or I can't drinking or, you know, um, I have family members that struggle with that, and it's like, and nobody's making you drink. You Mama. Know, nobody, nobody does it. It's it's the thing that we, that's the, that's in our mind that triggers something, and you know we have everything, we have everything we need to fight that. But um, this is a stupid example, but it's just an example that I've, I've never forgotten ever in my life. Is uh, one time um, when I had first started, first started. The second time I ever went to the gym with my trainer, it was the second time 
he wasn't there. He said, I'm not going to be here tomorrow. You just need to come and do these exercises I'm giving you. And I went, and I, I, I had, you know, I was very overweight, and uh, I didn't know anything. Nobody believes that that, does, that has a beard. <laughs> Michael used to weigh. What did you weigh? I had big old boobies. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> What'd you weigh, Michael? It's 272. 272. He's almost Body mass pounds. index of like 240, something like that. He bled gravy. <laughs> uh, but anyway, I remember I went, and I'll never forget, I, I sat down on the lat pull-down machine, and there was like three other dudes in there, and they were they had pretty good bodies as far as they could tell they've been working out. And I'll never forget, I felt so stupid, and I felt so dumb, like, you know, insecure, and I'm just in there doing it. I'm like, man, I don't want to be here right now. It's, I just feel so stupid, like, because I felt like I wasn't really, um, I don't know. It's just my own stupid thinking, yeah. you know. But I told the guy that I was going to be there and do what I was going to do. And even still sometimes to this day, th things like that come up. To, but I can always imagine, what if I would have just quit and left, you know, and made that thing up in my mind of, no, nah, well, you know, First of all, nobody really cares. Uh, nobody, I'm sure if I would have asked, they probably wouldn't have cared how I looked, you know, or, or, yeah. or what I'm doing. They're in there for them, right? you know, and we do that to ourselves even in here. You know, we, we, we think about what anybody else is thinking, and it's crazy to try to wonder what other people are thinking. You can drive yourself crazy, you know, yep. assuming what other people are thinking. And uh, it's, it's, it's that casting down of imaginations, man. It's a daily, I, I, I kind of, with, within me, this is just me, but I, I, uh, I put those two things together as how I did that day, my imaginations, how they were working against me, and then in a spirit on how my imagination works against me. And uh, one last thing, uh, this, guy, <clears throat> this guy told me, he said, um, and this isn't a spiritual thing, it's just a mental thing. He said, get, up, get a little legal pad, a small one, that you can carry along with you, we put it next to you in your car. And he said, every day, when you think of a negative thought or a bad thought or something that's uh, in a negative light, mark it down. You know how you do like one, two, three, four, and then you cross it like five? Yeah. He said, mark it down. And he said, think of how many times a day you think on negative things. And then that first day, it was like 54 <laughs> negative things. Ooh. And I was like, wow, so many. And, and that's this is the times I marked them down. There's probably other times I'd like just unconsciously <laughs> didn't mark them down. Or it didn't seem and negative I, to you. And yeah, and he's like, every time that you mark it, you're consciously becoming aware of the things you, be, you think on the negative. And just as a mental exercise, it's just not even a spiritual thing, a mental exercise that when you do that, you mark it down, you're consciously becoming aware of the negative things you think. So you are consciously reversing the mindset that you're doing to self-sabotage your thinking, then that's just not even spiritual. If you can imagine mixing spiritual things with it, how much more uh, you can accomplish that. But just on marking that thing down, I became self-aware of how many negative things I think about every day. And even still to this day, when I think, like I start, I start going off into that when I'm driving, I start thinking negative things. I have to bring myself back and be like, oh, and I have to say something verbally. To, to, to get myself out of that. Because if not, man, I'll wander down. And before you know it, I'm in a bad mood or, you know, something. And then my, somebody will call me, and then it's just, it's just dumb. It's just weird, you know, how, how the, those fortresses in your mind that the enemy has tried to put there, how they can 
he can try to stay in there and work against you on that. Yeah. It's a trip. And, and uh, wow, that's it. So you guys, um, any other questions? Let me, let me say this. Um, when, I was, when, I, when I was coming up, and this may be where we end up going with this here. Um, when I was coming up, as I, after I got born again, um, I started to learn how to, how to overcome wrong mindsets. You know, the Bible talks about, um, in, in Romans, we, we, I, I quote it often, be not conformed to this world, but be trans. In fact, go, go there. Let's look at it real quick. Romans chapter 12. And then uh, I also want us to look at another verse of Scripture. Um, <clears throat> All right. Um, let me this here. Uh, read the full chapter. Oops. All right. So, um, twenty-six. Sorry, I'm getting another scripture ready for y'all too. Um, Oh, yeah, now I remember where the context of that is. Ooh. Ooh, this is, this is super nice. Oh, y'all are going to like this. Okay, so uh, uh, Romans chapter 12, uh, it says, uh, I beseech you, therefore, brethren. Let, can we read, let, let's read it in another translation. Um, uh, I'm going to read it to you in the English Standard Version. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Amen. Let's read the Amplified, because I think Amplified brings something out. I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, and beg of you in view of all the mercies of God to make a decisive dedication of your bodies, presenting all your members and faculties as a living sacrifice, wholly devoted and consecrated and well-pleasing to God, which is your reasonable, rational, intelligent service and spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world or this age, fashioned after and adapted to its external superficial customs, but be transformed, changed by the entire renewal of your mind by its new ideals and its new attitude. Man, I like that. So that you may prove for yourselves what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God, even the thing which is good and acceptable and perfect in sight for you. So you can see that the renewal of the mind is vital in being able... Do you, do you all see the connection? But if you're going to know what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God for you, then there has to be a renewing of your mind. Your unrenewed mind is never going to discover what the good and acceptable and perfect will of God is for you. You're never, you're never, going, to, you're never going to get... Not only will you not see it, but you'll never achieve it. Because it'll be impossible to achieve. You'll, you'll be carnal in your thinking. You'll be carnal in your ways of doing things. And it won't work. Now go to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians 
the book of Ephesians, chapter 5, Ephesians chapter 5, and uh, verse 15. It says this, it sa- uh, I'll wait for you to get there. It says, um, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore, be, not, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And so what's it saying? Walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Redeem the time. The days are evil. Don't be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Well, what's the will of the Lord? Not to be drunk with wine. I, boy, I should have known this was going to come up tonight. I dreamed a dream about it. Uh, and be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be being filled with the Spirit. Speaking to yourselves in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, making melody in your hearts to the Lord. Give thanks always for all things to, unto God and the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as unto the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church, gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. With the washing of water by the word. So what is the word? The word's like water and it washes. So how do we renew our minds? By the washing of the water of the word of God. Amen. By the washing of the water of the word of God. So it's by the word of God that our minds are transformed, that we're, that we're transformed. You know, that's um, same, same principle, different, different, uh, different way that was brought out over in Second uh, Corinthians chapter 10 about the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, mighty through God, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down strongholds, casting down imagination, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Well, what is the knowledge of God? Well, it's the word of God. So anything that exalts itself against the word of God and against the knowledge of God that works in your mind has to be brought into captivity. You know what? When you capture something, Remember we talked about capture, one time we talked about capturing the vision, and I, I defined to you all what capturing was. Capturing, you know what, Let, let's, I'm, I'm just going to look it up, uh, I think even old Webster has a good idea of what, uh, and I'm not talking about Carolyn. <clears throat> I would never refer to Carolyn as old Webster, don't. Uh, <laughs> So here's, here's, the, uh, here's the definition of capture. So, so that we're, we're talking now. Go to, uh, pull that one up there. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Weapons of our warfare. I, where does it start? Verse uh, uh, next, uh, I think it's verse, is it verse 3? For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. Next verse. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Next verse. Casting down imagination and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity, into captivity, every thought to the obedience of Christ. So capturing every thought 
that exalts itself against the word of God, capturing every thought and bringing those thoughts that don't line up with the word of God into captivity and bringing them down low. Reprioritizing your thoughts. And so here's capture. Capture, uh, there's several definitions. Capture is uh, to record or to express accurately in words or pictures. To capture is to absorb. That's just, th those are just a different, but uh, the, the, the one I want to uh, uh, bring out is to take into one's possession or control by force. That's, that's, that would be the definition of this one. To take and to possess something and to, and to take it by force and to take control of it by force. Listen, when you capture a bear, that's a dangerous thing. When you capture a lion or a, uh, you know, a big cat, uh, that's a, you know, that's... When you're having to capture something, uh, you're taking something into your possession that doesn't want to be taken. And that's the way your mind, your, those thoughts that are in your mind are hostile against the things that God has for you. And so far, those things have been able to rule us and keep us pretty much over there in the, in the flesh lane. Remember what I told you as we started? Think about the thing that you, that you really desire from the Lord. Think about that thing. It's, it's us not capturing and controlling the environment of our minds and our lives that have kept us from achieving those. I'm telling you right now, there's no other reason why you have not achieved those things that you, that you thought about other than the fact that you've not yet created an environment in your life and allowed the Lord to work with you to create an environment in your life that would sustain those. Because the minute you create an environment that sustains those things, like the earth, all the seed was in there. You got the seed. You got the seed. Your, your spirit is like a bag. It's like soil. I think I told you all this. Do you know soil is designed to make things grow? Dirt, dirt outside. Do you know that's why back in the day, I can remember this as a kid. Back in the day, I remember, and I was really young. I mean, it was, it was a long time ago. I, I was super young. When I saw them going through my town and replacing telephone poles, wooden telephone poles. And they would go and they would pull these telephone poles out of the ground. And they would be rotten and decayed, breaking, and they would put new poles in. Well, I remember, I can almost remember a time when the new poles had this tarry kind of sticky greenish substance on them. It was, it was they, they started treating the wood. They started treating the wood so that when they put it in the ground, it would take longer for them to rot and to decay. Do you know why? Do you know why when you put that in the in the soil, when you put stuff, why it rots and decays? Because the ground is trying to grow it. The soil is designed to grow things. And whatever you put in there, it's going to try to grow it. The soil of your life is growing the stuff that you're putting in it. 
Your, your spirit is soil. And God has planted seed in the soil of your spirit. All that needs to happen is the environment has to be created. What, what, was, what did the earth need? Rain and man. Once rain and man existed, boom, it, it, the, the whole world, the whole earth exploded with life. Do you know those times, and it's happened before in your life, those times in your life when the blessing of the Lord exploded, it's because everything came into line. Everything was set to, 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 to facilitate what God intended to do. The environment had been created in your life to facilitate what the Lord wanted to do in your life amen amen you know what some of you have blamed pastors you've blamed uh church people you've blamed husband you've blamed wives you've blamed family members you you blamed everyone for uh for not going into ministry not being more successful uh not not having the freedom that you you know that you that you thought you ought to, and really the reality is this can nobody could Listen, when it, when it came right down to it, there was no one that was controlling my destiny but me. You can't choose your destiny. You have to discover your destiny. And the only way to discover your destiny is to run hard after God and create an environment in your life that will facilitate what it is that he wants to do. Amen. Amen. And so when we talk about capturing, uh, it's, the, it's, the, it's by the word of God. And so do you, do you want me to help you all in a practical way? How did, how did, how did, you want to know how I did it? Uh, number one, Warren Mardell, because I'm about to send you all there. If you don't own a Strong's Concordance, now I know we've gotten away from paper stuff, but if you don't own a Strong's Concordance, you need to go and buy you a Strong's Concordance. They're not, they're not that expensive. Just go get you a paperback Strong's Concordance. If you're feeling really fancy, get you a hardback. I recommend the paperback. Easier to carry around. But get you a Strong's Concordance. And then when you get your Strong's Concordance, now my Strong's, someone took my Strong's out of my office, and I won't name her name. Marianne. No, no, I did. I told her she could take it. She, she needed it. But, but I'm in, I got my Dakes Bible, and in the back of my Dakes Bible, there's a concordance. And so here's, here's what I did. Gil, um, Michael, and everybody else that has these. We're all, how many, how many of y'all would, would, would say, I'm with Gil. I, I, need my, I need to change associations. My mind needs to be changed. I need to win some victories in the battleground of my mind. All right. So all of us, I, I'm, I'm with you. I'm in, this, I'm in the same boat. Um, <clears throat> so this is, this is what I did. When, I, when God would, when I would hear the Lord, when I felt like I heard the Lord tell me something, whether it was in my studying of the word, whether it was uh, prophetically in, in prayer time, whether it was the, the Holy Spirit stirred something in me, I would, go, I would go to my concordance because someone had told me about concordances. They said, you can find every scripture in the Bible that mentions any word. For example, the word mind. If you go to your concordance and you look up the word mind, it will give you literally every scripture. 
that has the word mind in it. Every one of them. <clears throat> and so I would go and I would look in my Strong's. I'd look at all the verses that had to do with mind and I would read every one of them. And any of them that pertain to what I needed, I would write them down on a piece of paper. Now I know we can cut and paste and things are way more convenient. Believe me, it would be better for you to get you an old notebook and a ballpoint pen or if you're, you know, if you make a lot of mistakes, a pencil with a, an eraser and write these things down and have you a notebook and on the on the on the top you know like we used to do in school and we'd write a title write a title write down at the top of that page what these scriptures are for if it's for the renewal of your mind write that down at the top of the page now is that going to take some effort absolutely you know what church you're not going to get anything without putting forth effort if you're going to put in minimum effort you're going to get minimum results in fact, some of y'all ought to get used to living where you're living if you're not going to put forth any effort because you ain't going no other place if you don't put, if you don't, if you don't de decide. Now, listen, God will help you. So you say, Pastor, I'd love to put in more effort. I'm just not disciplined enough. Go to the Word. Find out what the Word says. Find out what the Bible says about getting you some help with that. You know, the Bible's made provision. God's made provision to help you with the stuff that you're struggling with. The things that you can't do on your own. You know, we've been given a, a person called the Holy Spirit to help us with the things that we struggle with that he's called to come alongside of us and strengthen us and help us to achieve these things. And so th those are the scriptures you write down. You write down those help scriptures. That's, that's the first thing I had to do. I went to, I had to go to, I had to go to uh, the book of John chapter 14. Lord, you, you said in your word, you promised you would not leave us helpless. You said that you would pray to the Father and he'd send us another helper, another comforter, and that he would abide with me forever. Lord, you didn't put any limitations on that. That must mean he'll be with me through thick and thin. That must, be, he, that must mean he'll be with me when I'm faithful and unfaithful, when I failed and when I succeed. Glory to God when I think of myself more highly than I should and when I think of myself smaller than what I should. Lord, you said, in fact, Jesus, you said it. You said you'd be with us always, even to the end of the age. Well, Jesus, if you're not here and you sent your spirit as representation, that's what you meant. And if you said he, you gave him to us forever, when you said you'd be with us forever, you meant he would be with us forever. Glory to God. You know what? You start talking to yourself the way the Word of God talks to you, it'll start to revolutionize your life. So, I mean, and that's, that's the way I'd get those scriptures. I'd be like, Lord, it says right here. You know, at first, my old mind was like, boy, you, you, you really think this is going to work? You know what? When I when I looked into the when I looked into the lives of the heroes of of the faith, the men that I looked up to, they had done the very same things and could, and would testify of them working in their lives. We look at those heroes of the faith that are in the Word of God that applied these principles and it worked in them. Well, you know what? If it worked for them, it's got to work for us. It can't not work for us. Listen, God can't fail. There's not, there's not one place in the book where he failed. In fact, you can't find a place in history where he failed. They tried to eradicate him. They tried to eradicate his book. They tried to get rid of his word. 
You know how many times the Bible, they've tried to eradicate the word of God from off of planet earth. And every time they've tried, they've, you know what, there, there are other books. You can't find them no more. They were literally wiped off the face of the planet. They tried to do that to the Bible. Fail. Fail. Why? Because heaven and earth will pass away, but his word will never pass away. Amen. His word will always be. They'll never get rid of it. Glory to God. Amen. Listen, the Bible, the Bible, the word of God is powerful. Amen. So I, I'd get over there. Lord, you said you're my helper. Uh, you sent your, your spirit to be my helper. Holy Spirit, the word says that you will lead and you will guide into all truth. So I'm trusting you and I'm believing that you're going to lead me and guide me into every truth. I will not, I'm not going to be led into lies. I'm going to be led into the truth. The truth will be revealed. I'll, and as I, as, I get, as I get to knowing the truth, the truth will make me more and more free. The more truth I receive, the more freedom I'm going to receive in the name of Jesus. I'm going to be free from myself. I'm going to be free from the devil. I'm going to be free from the flesh. I'm going to be free from the influences of evil men. I'm going to be free from the influences of those that don't want to see me succeed, that don't want me uh, to, to, uh, to achieve the things that you want me. Lord, I'm free from all of it. God, I'm, I'll, I'm, the, only, the only one I will not be free from is you. I mean, this, this is the way I pray. I'd write these things down, and then I'd pray them over my life. And I'd, I'd be faithful to do it every day. In the beginning, your, your mind will mess with you. But you know what you do when your mind starts telling you other stuff? The devil will come, and he'll tell you stuff. You know what you do when the devil comes to tell you? You know what he'd tell me? He'd tell me, you know, um, you're, you, this is a fantasy. This ain't even real. You done got over into something that's just a fantasy. How do you know this is real? How do you know there's a heaven? How do you know that you're wasting your life? Devil never told nobody that? Oh, okay, wonderful. <laughs> Amen. See, so some of us think we're the only ones that go through that. It's every, it's every one of them. It's the same devil. He doesn't have anything original for you. He didn't make up something new for you that he didn't tell me. He told all of us that. He comes to all of us with it. You know all that stuff you're going through? He comes to, he comes to us with all that stuff too. <laughs> but anyway, he comes to me with all that. It's not, it's not real and this and that. And you know, you know what I'd come back with? This is the best fantasy I've ever had in my life. Of all the fantasizing I ever did, none of my fantasizing ever delivered me from drugs, ever delivered me from, amen. All the fantasizing I did never brought me this kind of joy, never brought me this kind of peace, never caused me to feel this kind of acceptance and this kind of love. Glory to God. Uh, this must be some kind of fantasy because I'm a new creature. Old things have passed away. All things have been, you know what? Maybe it's not a fantasy. Maybe it's just like the book says because lots of stuff that the book says happened in my life before I even knew what the book said. How can it not be real when he did it for us before we knew what the book said? When he healed us and we didn't know there was healing. When he delivered us and we didn't know there was deliverance. When he changed us and transformed us and we didn't know about no transformation. We walked an aisle to say a sinner's prayer to escape hell. 
That's all we knew. And when we came away changed and accepted and loved and filled with the Holy Ghost and all of the glory to God, I'm about to throw this microphone. Amen. Oh, amen. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a, you know, you, you go to talking like that to the devil and he'll, he'll, he'll leave, he'll leave quickly. He'll leave quickly. Because you'll be like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> I like that old testimony of Brother Shambach when he was driving down the road and he had a chest pain and he said the devil came up and said, you know what that is, don't you? Brother Sham was like, Shambach was like, no, what is it? He said, heart trouble. Shambach goes, oh. I remember him telling the story. He said, he said what'd, your, what'd your brother die from? He said, heart trouble. He said, what'd your daddy die from? Heart trouble. What'd your grandpa die from? Heart trouble. What runs in your family? He said, heart trouble. He says, you know what you're going to die from? He said, about then he recognized it was the devil. He was, he was on the highway. He said he pulled over, stopped on the side of the road. Said, hang on a minute, devil. <laughs> he jumped out of his car and he jogged a quarter of a mile down the road. And then he jogged a quarter of a mile back. He said when he got back to the car, the devil wasn't there no more. Amen. <laughs> you know, when the devil tries to come and, and, uh, and threaten you with death. Amen. Listen, some of you he did. Some of you he threatened you with death. In 2020, April of 2020, he was telling you, you're going to die. April, May, June, July, August, September, October 2020, November. Did, amen. Some of y'all, and then, and then, if COVID wasn't bad enough, some of y'all was going to get lynched in the street. Right? Isn't that, isn't that what we started seeing too? It's like, man, if COVID wasn't bad enough, now they're going to start lynching us on the street. Just... Amen. I'll oh, see there's not as many amens there. Because it was only some of us. But anyway. <laughs> but it, it's, it's true. So, you know what? Wait, keep your mind, keep your thought. So, hey, it's like, whoo, come on, Pastor. I got it. <clears throat> but the devil came, tried to tell us we're going to die. Do you, know, do you know how I fought that? Because he told, y'all know he told me that too, right? Did y'all know that in 2020, devil told, devil told me that too? He said, you're going to die. You didn't listen to the little doctor. You don't think he was telling me that everywhere we went? Everybody I laid my hands on and prayed for? You don't think that when that, when, when I was laying hands on people with COVID, the devil wasn't like, you're going to die. You're fat. You're, you're high risk. You're overweight. You're one of the ones going to die the quickest. You don't think that's the stuff he was saying to me? Listen, he said it. He said it. He tried it every day. He tried it every day. You know what my response was? I, every time I was like, sudden death, sudden glory. <laughs> to be absent in the body is to be present with the Lord. Amen. Glory to God. 
I said, if I die, I'm going to die kicking your tail end, devil. Glory to God. If I die, I'm going to take a bunch of y'all with me. If I die, I'm going to give honor and glory to God in my death, for I will have done exactly what he told me to do. I'm telling you right now, you can do it. You can do all kinds of stuff. One thing I know you can't do is kill me. Ayla. <laughs> um, I was going to say, I read that uh, story where he was talking about it, and he said that, huh? Yeah. Shambok. Uh, I read where Shambok shared about that, and he said that before that happened, like, while he was in the car, before he heard that, uh, that he was praying, prophesying, and dancing in the car. And then that's when the devil told him. So it's not like you have to be doing something bad for the devil to try to tell you something. Exactly. Yeah, in fact, it's not, it's usually the enemy come and attack you when you're doing, when you're, when you're doing the best. Right. Folks, we had, we had nearly a half a million dollars in the bank. After the Lord had just broke us, he broke us out financially, big time in the evangelistic ministry. We had nearly half of me that I was in bed one night and, and I, I knew it was the devil. I don't even know why I listened. But the enemy, the enemy was the enemy was like, you got all your finances in order. You got everything straight. You know, when you're a high school dropout, you got. I was navigating these waters by the spirit. I was like, well, I'm going to get up and check. So I got up, and I, I hadn't reconciled the checkbook for about three months. I was like, man, I need to reconcile this checkbook. So I started reconciling the checkbook, and I, I got it reconciled. Everything came out straight. I looked in there. We had, we had, we had over a half a million dollars in the bank. You know, you know what? When, when, you, when, you're, when you grow up broke and poor, and you got a half a million dollars in the bank. I mean, I'm not talking about it was coming. It was there. And it didn't have no place to go. All we had in debt was a car for the ministry. That payment was like $600 a month. That's the only debt we had. That money was just sitting there to pay salary and to, tra and to travel, do the work of the ministry. Well, you got a half a million. Listen, if some of y'all had a half a million dollars in the bank, you're like, oh, man, if I had a half a million dollars, glory to God. Yeah, that's what you think. But money, listen, money, money is not what will give you security and peace. Because I had that money sitting in the bank. You know what the devil said? What about when it's gone? <laughs> listen he's ruthless he keeps on and on amen listen if if he can't tell you you're not gonna get it he'll 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 start he'll start threatening you with you're gonna lose it you know all this traveling you're doing what what i was like i'm blessed he said yeah but what about when it stops when it stops I, I, start, I, started reading the, I started reading the word. I started, got in there. I said, Lord, your word, glory to God. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. Lord, your word says you bless me with all spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Lord, heaven ain't bankrupt. I ain't going bankrupt, God, in the name of Jesus. Heaven, heaven ain't losing. I ain't losing. Amen. Lord, you, you are my father. The word declares your, the earth is yours and the fullness thereof. Cattle on a thousand hills belongs to you. All the gold and all the silver, it belongs to you. You're my father. You said I have an inheritance. Hallelujah. I'm, uh, my, my inheritance is eternal. It's not just a temporary uh, inheritance. It's an eternal inheritance. This, uh, this goes on and on and on. But the devil, he kept harassing me. I thought, well, I'm going to go lay down. Maybe if I hold Annie's hand, I'll feel better. So I laid down. I grabbed Annie's hand, and he was still pestering me. Man, honestly, we were doing better in the natural than we had ever done. And I, I think that's the only time in my whole life where the enemy attacked me so strong in that moment that I thought I might have a nervous breakdown. I mean, it was that bad. I could feel the pressure, and I didn't know where it was coming from except for the enemy. Because it, it all was well. My marriage has always been great. The ministry was great. Our finances were through the roof. There was nothing, I mean absolutely nothing, that we could look at in our lives and say, this is bad. So I'm, I mean, all this stress come down on me. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. I didn't know what else to say. I mean, I was like, I was, I was, I was throwing all them provision scriptures out there. I just kept on. I just kept on. I, I was renewing my mind. I was trying to keep that, that stronghold out of my mind. But man, when I was there and I didn't have nothing left to say, <laughs> and I still felt the pressure of it, I felt like the Holy Spirit whispered to me. He said, he said, I was with you when you had nothing. I was like, glory to God. Do you know that encouraged me? And then he started talking to me. He said, he said, you know why you went through a season you, you didn't have nothing? I was like, why, Lord? He said, so that when the devil came and tried to threaten you with nothing, you could tell him you already been there and made it through nothing. That you didn't, that you didn't die, that I didn't leave you. Man, I, I, I sat up. I went back into the other room because I don't want to wake Annie up. I went in the other room. I said, devil, I've already had nothing. And when I had nothing, I still had him. So when I had him, I had everything. Glory to God. Listen, I've been there before. You, I've been at the credit bureau where they don't want to loan me. I've been kicked out of the bank where they wouldn't give me no account. I've been through all that. I've been there, done that, bought the T-shirt, coffee mug, and pen set. If I had to go back, I've navigated those waters before. But he was with me no matter where I was at. He was with me. If he did it before, he'll do it again. It's when the devil, that's when the devil packed up all his stuff and left. Amen. Amen. Had no, you know what? We had no idea that we would face that. That we would face going through nothing, having nothing again. And you know what? When we, when, we, when we came to that place, I was like, thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Lord, we've been here before. We've navigated these waters before. God, we've seen this before. Uh, we made it through once. We'll make it again. You were with us, and just like you were with us then, you're with us now. Oh, yeah. They took our house. 
They took our good. Listen, I was, I, was, I was up in the house when they rolled up and took my car and repossessed. <laughs> in fact, I went out to the repo man. I tossed him. I told him, I said, I said you, you scoping out the car, try to pick it up? He got nervous, you know. He was like, as a matter of fact, yeah, they're looking for this car. I said, well, I called him up. I told him I'd bring it. I said, if you want to take it, though, you can take it. I mean, save me the trip. Oh, yeah. So he said, Pastor, you now see nobody could understand what you're going through. Go ahead now. And I ain't, I ain't talking about no cheap car. We there's a Cadillac. It was a Cadillac. Cadillac Escalade sitting out there. Do you know why the repo man was confused? He's like, well, only car on here is this Cadillac. We had a brand new Yukon Denali sitting there with paper tags on it. We just bought it. I mean, brand spanking new. Thing was loaded up. He's like, I'm confused. I said, well, we've been through it. We've been through a battle. We've been through a, we've been through a storm. But you know, before we ever got to the other side of that storm, the Lord had already started providing for us. Do you, do you know our lifestyle never, we went through a bankruptcy. Our lifestyle never changed. We literally lost everything, and lo but at the same time lost nothing. It was like an exchange. Now, I know it's, 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 it's you say, I don't understand it. I didn't understand it either. Because you know what the lawyer told me? The lawyer told me, you're going to go through a hard time for about five years. Yeah, like five minutes. Amen. I know some of y'all sweat it, don't you? you get, the devil be like, I'm getting your house. Are you kidding me? Yes, exactly. If you get this one from me, I get, I get, I get seven times better. In Jesus' name. Oh, glory to God. Now, we're not surrendering our stuff to the devil. But listen, you, you've got you to hold your peace and let the Lord fight your battles. Amen. Get in the word of God. If I'm, now, uh, some of you don't know the uh, circumstances of what we went through, and so don't, you have to understand something. Uh, we, didn't, we, didn't, we didn't choose that way, the way that we went, lightly. It was, it was in much prayer and, and uh, much seeking of the Lord, and the circumstances were extremely unique, extremely unique. And uh, uh, we had gotten into something that there was no, listen, there was no way other than the Lord just delivering us and, and doing it in a, in a way where he sent us <laughs> a ton of money. But, um, uh, but he saw us through, and we came to the other side, and it wasn't the way that we had preferred, but we, fo we followed him, and we did our best to maintain our integrity. And, um, and I think we did through that whole thing. I think it was, it was awesome.
Yeah, when, when, your house, when your house floods, when your whole basement floods and you got water nearly up to the windowsills of the first story of your house and you have a basement, yeah, it's, that's pretty bleak. You, and you, don't, you don't get a good report from people. Not in a half a million dollar house. A half a million dollar house, they're like, this is going to cost you like 250 grand. You know, you know what I'm saying? I mean, it's like, okay, you know, will my insurance cover it? Uh, actually, no. If it had happened any other way, they'd have covered it. They wouldn't cover it for that. So they're like, we can get started for 80 grand. Write us a check for 80 grand. I was like, hmm. <laughs> uh, amen anyhow but thank the Lord thank the Lord for his goodness so getting these getting these getting the word of God in your mind renewing your mind washing your mind with the water of the word uh, finding those scriptures that that uh, pertain so I looked some up and somebody looked some of these scriptures up for me so just talking about the mind um, looking at mind and uh, uh, some of these won't even, you know, they, they it won't even make sense to your situation, but some of them will. So uh, the book of uh, uh, Romans chapter 11, verse 34, someone, someone, let me, I'm, I'm there, 1134, let's see what it says. 11, for who has, for who has known the mind of the Lord and who has understood his thoughts or who has ever been uh, his counselor. Uh, but over in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, it says, but we have the mind of Christ. And so we have the mind of the Lord. And so that, th those are the kind, see, those are the kinds of things that stir, as you begin to read these scriptures, those are the kinds of things that stir in you as you, as you read them. Um, uh, Romans, Romans 8 uh, seven. It talks about how uh, uh, the car uh, the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is for it is not subject to the law of, of God, neither indeed can be. So, what do we get out of that? Well, as long as you remain in a carnal mindset, as long as you let those things rule, you understand. As long as you're carnal, you're not winning. It's impossible. It's impossible. It's impossible. It's impossible. You realize that when you're carnal, you have tied the hands of God from being able to bring you out of your trouble. So you have to get out of a carnal mindset. You say, how do you do that? Well, you don't have to feel good about not being carnal. You know, sometimes I don't feel good about saying no to donuts. It's not like I, I've, I'm like, no, hey, woo. You know, sometimes I'm like, no. <laughs> you know, I, uh, so we, 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 we associate us having victory in our, with, our, with our mind or over carnal thinking by us feeling good. You ain't got to feel good to, be, to break out of carnality. You just got to choose that you're not going to walk in that direction, that you're not going to facilitate carnal thinking because it's enmity against God it's not subject to the law of God and and never can be and as long as your mind isn't subject to God's laws how are you gonna walk in the blessing you're not you're not amen praise the Lord Let's see if there's any more good ones in here <clears throat> 
course, uh, we already read uh, um, uh, Romans, uh, Romans chapter 12, but um, what does it say in 2 Corinthians 8, 12? Let's see what that one says. 2 Corinthians. I know we're just kind of hanging out here. Just to, just to uh, accommodate me here for a minute. For, for if there be a first, ooh, for if there be first a willing mind, it is accepted according uh, to that a man hath and not according to that of I will. So we'd have to look at the context of this. Um, anyway, but you get the picture. You go through your concordance. There's lots of different scriptures uh, that uh, <clears throat> that pertain to these things that we're looking to achieve. If we will go through um, these verses of scripture and find those ones that are specifically for our situation, write them down and then begin to confess them, quote them, pray over them uh, for, for yourself, uh, then uh, it will it it will have an effect on you. That that that's <clears throat> that's the way my mind started to be changed. That's the way that I began to get connected. Uh, most of the confessions and the and the things that I found in Scripture in those early years had to do with the gifts of the Spirit, had to do with uh, knowing God, uh, developing a deeper relationship with the Lord. Had nothing to do with finance or anything like that, but knowing God, having a deeper relationship with Him, um, getting a revelation of the deep things of God, um, uh, a deeper revelation of uh, who the Holy Spirit is and how He works, you know, the, things of that nature. That was, that was what consumed most of my prayer time was, uh, Lord, use me. Um, uh, Lord, anoint me. Let your spirit, you know, let your, I want you to have control of my mouth. I want you to have control of my hands, of my feet, of everything that I do, of my mind. Uh, I, I want you to, uh, I want you to use me as a, as a vessel for your glory and for your honor. And then I went through the scriptures and there are plenty of them. Listen, man, I was in there a lot going scripture after scripture, after scripture, after scripture, putting it out there before God. And, um, as a result, uh, these were th there, those were things that manifested in my life. Um, amen. Amen. I mean, I saw everything I've ever seen manifested in my life. Uh, there, there was a notebook that existed at one time that held every scripture that I was standing on, that, that washed my mind, that changed my mindsets. Um, what, what's crazy is God, God will do things for you and you, you will not have arrived. Like me, I was insecure. Boy, the Lord was using me. We was, I was seeing people healed and delivered. and I mean, miracles, miracle after miracle. And I'm talking about notable, uh, notable miracles. Man, we, I'd, I'd get up in his meetings and, and entire congregations of people. This was before Benny Hinn was on television and, and we knew anything about Benny Hinn's ministry. But entire congregation, I mean, I'd get up entire... Entire churches fall flat on their backs under the power. I mean, just immediately fall under the power. And I'm not talking about some other, you know, some pygmy tribe in Africa. I'm talking about, I'm talking about people that had an aversion to the, you know, uh, people, religious people that are plugged up with religion and tradition. The Spirit of God come and just arrest entire churches. 
uh, uh, people that were resistant. Uh, I told you all that story about Sydney, where that, that pastor was going to kick us out of that church. That church was resistant. Those people were the, those, I've never been to a church that was harder than that church. They had set themselves against us in one morning, in one morning. They had set themselves against us. Of course, they'd run every pastor out of town in that church that had ever been there. Uh, for as many years as that church was in existence, they had a pastor. Every pastor, they, they became tired of them and ran them out of town. They would starve them first. They would quit paying their tithes. And when they quit paying their tithes, they'd run him out of town. And, uh, and, and, and I, I guess, you know, uh, they'd done that to evangelists. Because when I showed up, the uh, minute I said something that they didn't like, Boy, they shut me down. And what they didn't like was that I called my grandmother old. And, uh, and, I, and I was talking about the Holy Spirit and how that they needed a move of the Spirit. And they thought they had a move of the Spirit. So immediately they turned against me. <clears throat> so Sunday morning, Sunday night, listen, it, it just got bad. On Monday, we had a packed house. I was trying to get out of, I was trying to get out of even being there. But Monday night, we had a packed house. The whole place was full. I didn't know why. I thought, man, the meetings yesterday were so bad. Why in the world people come back today? But it was, I mean, it was completely full. Uh, you couldn't get another person in the building, could you, Ted? <clears throat> Ted was there, and I preached that night, and it was dead. I mean, deader than a hammer. Oh, yeah. Boy, I'm telling you, it was, it was twice dead and plucked up by the roots. There was nothing good about that meeting. And uh, so y'all know the story. About, about 8.30, quarter till 9, I was done. But you know it was a bad meeting. Started at seven. I was done a quarter till nine. I was done, and I mean that was praise and worship, preaching and ministry, everything. I tried to I tried to do ministry. No one would respond to any kind of ministry. They was all they was all looking. Pastor was literally on the platform with his arms crossed, his glasses down at the end of his nose, looking at me and looking at his watch, giving me this number like, hurry up. So while I'm up there getting ready to pray and turn it over to the pastor, the Lord says, you know why these people are here, right? I said, no. He said, because they're going to run you out of here, and they came to see the show. Made me mad. I was, not in the, I was not in the spirit. Made me mad. So I thought, you know what? I'm just going to stand up here, and I'm going to praise God. I said, because I got nowhere to be tomorrow, and these people got to go to work. This is my job. So I determined I'm just going to stay there until they all leave so they don't get a show. So I just lifted up my hands, and I told everybody, I said, let's begin to praise God. Listen, Ted started praying in the Holy Ghost, man. I could hear, he wasn't, he wasn't praising God. He was praying, boy. He was, he was interceding. And them other fellows, I don't, I'm not sure what they were doing, but anyhow. So they're praying. And, uh, man, I just lifted up my hands to praise God. And, you know, before long, you know, you praise God long enough, you'll get in the Spirit. Even if you set out to praise Him wrong. Even if you set out to praise him wrong. That's why I never discourage anyone from praising God. They may not even be doing it right. But it don't matter sometimes whether you're doing it right or not. If you praise God, what does the Bible say? God inhabits? Amen. Listen, if you praise him, he's coming. Whether you think he's real, whether you don't think he's real, whether you're mocking, whether you're playing around, if the praises of God come out, that's why I'd let, I'd let lost people uh, uh, mock me by praising God. They'd say, praise the Lord. I'd be like, go ahead. They were doing it in a mocking way. When I was in school, I'd be like, go ahead. You don't even know what you're doing, you idiot. I'd be like, say it again. 
Say it again. Say it again. Some of them people got arrested by the Spirit. But I just lifted my hands in praise. Pretty soon I ended up in the Spirit. Make a long story short, Ralph, I, st I stood up there. The wind of God came into that building. The, glo the glory of God wrecked that place. For, for 25, the first thing that happened was that wind blew. If, if, if there had been chandeliers like this in, in that church, they would literally have been swaying violently back and forth. It was nothing like this breeze. It was, a, it was like an Oklahoma, a 20, 30 knot wind. I mean, it, the whole place erupted in... It wasn't, it, wasn't a, it, wasn't a, it wasn't the kind of praise y'all think about. It was a Sheree kind. Everybody praised like Sheree. When Sheree gets to shrieking, everybody did that. The whole place, people were screaming. People jumped up and ran to the front of that church and slid into the altar on their knees. The, the first thing I saw when that wind hit, when the glory of God fell, was I, out of the corner of my eye, I saw something over here, and I looked. The pastor had been sitting on one of them uh, high and exalted church benches on the front where the preachers used to sit back in the day at the church. Uh, I saw the pastor. He, he, he had been sitting in that chair. He was literally sliding across the floor on his face. The, the platform was elevated. There was probably five steps up onto the platform. He slid so far that he rolled down the stairs, broke his glasses. He had a carpet burn on the side of his face. He was completely, his shirt was untucked. He had a tie, and his tie was all jacked up. I mean, this dude looked like he had just rolled out of bed, and someone had whacked him in the face. He, like, he looked like Tommy Boy after that old boy hit him in the face with a, with a, <laughs> with a two-by-four, man. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he, he got wrecked, and everybody else in the place, it was it, for, for 20, at least 25, 30 minutes, the place just erupted in praise. People got saved. People got revived. The Spirit of God broke out. I mean, these are the kinds of happenings that the Lord would, would, would do over and over and over again. As, as we pursued him, as, as I pursued him uh, in those times, going through the word, reminding him of what he said, renewing my mind and getting out those doubts, bringing every thought and taking it captive, all those, all those thoughts that said it couldn't be done. That's, that, you know, that's how Winter's Church came to be. As soon as God said, start a church, I started, I started digging in scripture. And then I started hanging out with people that I knew that were evangelists that started churches, like Brother Shambach. You know who I didn't go around? I, 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 had, a, I had a pastor. I, I love him. Don't get me wrong. I love this brother. I love him with all of my heart. He's a wonderful man of God. He's a wonderful pastor. When he found out we, we started this church, uh, he came to me and he said, you can't do that. I said, why? He said, You're, those people will never allow you to do that. It is impossible. They will stop you from doing it. You cannot do that. You know, but I, I didn't even, I didn't, my, my mind had already been renewed so much uh, concerning the church and what God wanted us to do here that I did, it, it didn't, it didn't even process as a thought. It came out of my spirit. I opened up my mouth. You know what came out of my mouth? I said, you can't do it, but I can. I said, because you don't have a word from God and I do. I said, one word from God changes everything. I mean, I, I told him straight. I wasn't rude with him. I didn't, have to, I didn't have to get ugly. I didn't have to, I rebuke thee in the name of Jesus. Ichabod's written over thy head, says the Lord. 
No, it just came up out of my spirit. Nope, you can't do it, but I can. You know, that was the same stuff that started coming up out of my spirit when I renewed my mind, when I started as an evangelist and my pastor was telling me that I was operating in witchcraft and telling the, I mean, that Annie was in the youth group at that time when my pastor was telling me I wasn't called to preach, told me I was, told everybody I was operating in witchcraft. He told the youth, he said, y'all need to be careful with him. He's hypnotizing people. That's why they fall down. That's why they fall down. He said, don't, y'all need to be careful. He's not right. What he's got, that's from the devil. That's my pastor. That's my, but you know what? He'd say that to me. I'd still go to his house, probably because they was feeding me. But anyway, <laughs> uh, I'd still go to his house. We, we, uh, you know what? We took, we, we took a meeting, first one to get a miracle. And that first person to get fillings in their teeth in that Mennonite meeting when I was 17 years old was his daughter. And we looked at, they looked in there, they looked in her mouth, her mama, her mama fainted. She didn't fall under the power. She fainted, went to screaming. I said, look, Pastor T, God gave her a filling in her tooth. Tears started streaming down his face. I put my hands on her and I put my hand on him and I put, I just put my hand lightly on their face. They both went down under the power of God. Oh, yeah. About a month later, I went to the Mennonite church. He was on the platform with me. When I was on the platform it was at the end of the service. And you know what? The music was, listen, music was jacked up at that Mennonite church. It sucked. Oh, yeah. But in the middle of them singing, I think they were singing I Exalt Thee, and it was out of tune. And, and you know, some Puerto Rican woman was trying to sing it in English. She could, you know, she, she, could, barely, she could barely speak English. And she'd be, I Exalt Thee. She couldn't even carry a tune in a bucket, boy. But there she was up there, and we're singing I Exalt Thee. And Pastor T's standing there next to me, and he still has his doubts. But man, the, the power of God hit me. And when the power of God hit me, I looked at Pastor T. I said, I said, Jesus is here. He looked at me and he said, I feel him. Oh, yeah. I said, if you're sick in your body, get up here. People lined up at that Mennonite church. I said, Pastor T, go lay your hands on him. Man, he started laying hands on him. They all started falling under the power of God. Oh, yeah. We left that night, went to his house. He was like, I could feel it. I knew when I touched them that they would fall down. I was like, I was like, it's the, it's the power of God. You know what? When your mind is renewed and when you're in tune with heaven, nothing can stop you. Nothing can stop Listen, literally, nothing. Unbelief can't stop you. People that are unbelieving can't stop you. Those that oppose you can't stop Listen, they can be sitting right there in the meeting and God will do it right there in front of them. Amen. In fact, he might even do it to them. Listen to me, church. That's, that's what we're headed. That's what we're headed to as a Listen, the Lord didn't do that with me uh, in another season because that wasn't. A, he did that with me, but God's about to do that in this hour in an even greater measure than what he did it there. God's about to send all of us to places that don't want us to come. To people that don't want to hear what we have to say. To people that think we're flakier than a two-crust pie. But you know what's going to happen? Jesus is going to be lifted up. He's going to be exalted. Amen. The power of God is going to fall. And men are going to be persuaded of the reality of God and the move of His Spirit. And revival is going to hit this nation one more time in Jesus' name. Glory to Stand on your feet and shout. Hallelujah.
Amen. Kolosobore. I, I, will, I will tell you all this. That, that is one area that I knew the Lord wanted to use me in, and I know that he wants to use y'all, is that God would send me to places they didn't want me to come. Some of them people regretted, they regretted having me. But now listen, I, when, I, when I went to Kettering, Ohio, when, after, after I left the youth pastorate, the associate pastorate position, and I went to Kettering, Ohio, was one of the first meetings we did back in uh, the early 90s after we left being on staff at that uh, church in South Oklahoma City. We went over there, 90, it was 93, 94, Debbie, 90, 94, 95. We went to that church in Kettering, Ohio. They only had me because my name was Ziggy. And they thought, Ziggy's got to be, you know, good. <laughs> I mean, what is a Ziggy? You know, it's a, how bad could it be? And then I rolled up in there, and first thing I did, they had these little bottles that look like a, I don't know, I used to play the trumpet and, and you used to have to put valve oil in the, the valves. It's like a little squirt bottle, you know, like you use. They had oil in these little squirt bottles and I got up there, I was like, hey man, you can kind of anoint people from afar. I was like. <laughs> well, they didn't, they didn't like that too good. I mean, there's an old dead dry assembly God church. You knew they hadn't had no move of the spirit, Charlie, because the, the, the altar was right there, butted up. You know, those old altars they used to put the benches. Those benches were right up against the platform. And then uh, the front people in the front row were using it as an ottoman. They didn't even know what it was. They brought me in and I guess they told the young people to come. They thought, well, you know, Ziggy, he's got to be for the young people. They had 300 young people crammed up in the front. There's about 600 people, 700 people behind them, members of this church. It's a big old church. My pastor, if it hadn't been for my pastor, he, I wouldn't have got in there. He was, he was on staff at that church, and they were doing him a solid by having me. The pastor was so not threatened by my ministry or anything like that that he went to a Hayford conference and left his associate pastor there to watch over the thing. And I got up, and you know, I just preached on Acts chapter 2. They weren't open to, the, you know what, church? They thought I was, uh, now, thank God not a lot of them left. Maybe we had a one, one, I remember one couple leaving. But I stood up there and I preached. And I knew, listen, I knew, I knew going in there. Because I, I knew where the Lord had me. And we're, we're, we're back in that place. Listen, Kanawha, Kanawha's not the most open place. This is from Kanawha's, or from that, that came to Kanawha meeting. That area is not open to, to, to our kind of ministry. But I'm going to tell you right now, we went up in there and God did what he's going to do. See, we're, we're returning to that place because that's, that's where God called us to work in the last days. God hadn't called us to go into these places where, where you just pick stuff up off the ground and it's, you know, it's, it's easy to just grab. God's, God's called us to go after the hidden treasure. The stuff that you can't see by just looking across the... Amen. Some Christians, they're like, they're like them Christians, them people come on Easter. They like them eggs that you can find them easy. They're just thrown out there in the fields, you know, you just run and grab them. Man, egg hunting my day was hard. Heck, you, you, might, have to, you might have to dig through razor blades, you know what I'm saying? And they didn't even have, it was real boiled eggs too. They wasn't even worth getting. Ha, ha, ha. 
real boiled eggs that cracked and got color on them, you know. <laughs> Man, I, I, preached, I preached that night. The Spirit of God fell on those young people first. I was like, how many of you want to receive the Holy Ghost like I'm talking about? All 300 of them kids ran to the front. Of I had Ted and them guys move those bench. Man, when they moved those altar benches, you could feel the oxygen sucked out of that building by those plugged up religious people. <gasps> They're moving the altars. Like, you ain't using them. And they didn't like that. When I would say stuff like that, I'd say, y'all ain't using them. It'd be all right. Those kids got crammed in there. I said, how many of you want the Holy Man, that associate pastor's hovering behind me. Looking at his watch. You were there, Ted. Annie, you were there. Tell him I'm not lying. They didn't want me there, did they, baby? It was, they were, res listen, no, I didn't get no amens. There wasn't a big hand clap of prayer. They were ready for that associate pastor was standing close so that he could hurry up and take the mic as soon as I got done praying for them kids. But when they lifted their hands and I lifted my hands and 300 kids hit the floor under the power of God at the same time and they got drunk in the Holy Ghost and began to laugh and roll around and they were under the influence. Listen, that guy, it must have stunned him because he forgot to grab the microphone. He just stood there with his mouth agape. These kids are crying and many of them got baptized in the Holy Ghost, started praying in unknown tongues. I remember there's a missionary from Laos. His kids were there. And, and she came up to Ted. She said, Ted, I used to not could do this. She went to talking in tongues. And that was at 2 in the morning. That, that, but this happened right at 9. Man, I looked over that crowd of people. I said, if you want to be filled with the Holy Ghost, get out of your chair. There were hungry ones there because a bunch of them stepped out in the aisle. I began to run through that crowd and God began to wreck those people. I mean, all over that building. Listen, it was, it was bodies. There were bodies all over that building in between pews, up, up every aisle. I couldn't even walk the aisles anymore. I had to walk across pews to get across the church to lay my hands on people. It was old people. It was young people. It was religious people. In fact, this one old man, he just barely shuffled. I'll never forget him. He barely shuffled his way. Everybody was moving. I'm helping him through. He shuffled his way to the front. I, I bet he was, I bet he was uh, up in his 80s, mid-80s, pressing into his 90s. I said, sir, you want to be filled? He said, yes, sir. I, I said, uh, lift up your hands. He lifted up his hands. I went to put my hand on him. And he just trembled and shook and fell, fell out under the power of God. He began to pray in the Holy Ghost. And, and I, I, I just kept walking around. Pretty soon I found that associate pastor. He was, I, I, I stacked him on the platform. They were on the platform. They were on the, they were on the uh, stairs. They were in the orchestra pit. There was only, all the musicians were out. The only musician left was my musician, Jeff. He's the only one left. But I found that associate pastor buried under a couple people on that platform, out under the power of God, drunk in the spirit. I went to look for, I went to look for that old man and he was gone. This was probably at about midnight. Because we went from, the prayer went from nine until uh, I think one one thirty. There are a thousand people there. 
somewhere around 11.30 maybe, midnight, the old man is shuffling back to the front, but he's got his wife in tow. I said, who do you have with you? He said, this is my wife. He said, I just had to come up, make sure it was real before I exposed her to this. I said, I said, well, brother, is it real? He said, oh, God, is it real? I said, I said, lift up your hands, get you a double dose. I said, and, and, and wife, I said, you go ahead and take it to both of them. Lay there under the power of God till two o'clock in the morning, just crying and praying in the Holy Ghost. See, we're accustomed to ministering to people that want it. What we're not accustomed to seeing is God getting people that have resisted him. And those are the best ones. Those are the best ones. That's the buried treasure. That's, that's that treasure you got to go by the whole field to find it. That's what the Bible's talking about. You go and you buy the whole field just to find that, that piece of treasure. Listen, that's where we're headed, church. You know, we, we, I know we've been talking about supernatural increase, but these principles, th these are the things we got to apply. Will, you, will some of you begin to apply this? Will you, some of you begin to do this? Try it. Write, it, write some stuff down. If you, if, if you need some more scriptures on a certain subject and, and we happen to run across one another or something like that and you need to ask me, I'll, I'll be glad to shoot you some. But begin to work it. I know Annie and I, we're, we're doing it right now. We're doing it right now. Her and I, we're doing it right now in our personal lives. We are working it. Because God's up to something. Amen. Well, do you receive this here today? Amen. How many of you received something? Praise God. Wonderful. Wonderful. No other questions? I mean, we're already late, but no other questions? Any, any other questions? No, we're not really that late. Any other questions before we... Shut her down here. Amen. All right. You're, remember, there's seed in the soil of your spirit. Everything is coming together. That soil is going to try to grow that seed. Make sure whatever seed you're planting in there, words or seed, whatever seed you're planting in there, make sure you want it to grow. Because <laughs> your spirit's going to try to grow it, whether it's good or bad. And we want the, we want the good. Amen. Amen. We want the word of God. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for what you're saying. Thank you for what you're doing, Lord. We're so appreciative of your spirit working with us. God, we, uh, we love you with all of our hearts. With all of our hearts, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, we thank you, we thank you. God, <laughs> you've been so good to us, Lord. You've been better to us than we have been to ourselves. And Lord, we are so thankful that you are long-suffering, that you are patient, that you are kind, that you are loving, that you chose to love us long before we ever decided to follow and serve you. So, Lord, I just pray that you'll continue to direct us, to guide us, to lead us. Lord, I thank you for the people uh, that are here tonight, Lord. I pray, God, that your spirit uh, would touch them, Lord, that you will impress upon them and imprint within them uh, this word. God, that they will have confidence and faith uh, in what they have heard you say. And Lord, that they will stand on that word and see it through to manifestation in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Father. May all glory and all praise go to you, God, uh, for everything that we see manifested in this last hour. May all honor and praise be unto you, Lord. 
May, may we be hidden, God, behind the veil of the glory of your presence. May, may, may people walk away, and, and when they testify, may, may they say, I don't remember who the person was. I don't remember what their name was. I'm not sure what church they went to, but what I do know is this. Once I was lost, now I'm found. Once I was blind, now I see. Once I was bound, now I'm free. Once I was without Jesus, but now I have everything. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Amen.